was married. Amen. Well, amen. Good morning. Everybody awake? This is my first time to do an early service in a long time, so y'all got to wake up and help me out. Amen. Take your Bible, turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 today. Very familiar chapter, maybe the most famous verse, uh, most known verse, if you would, in the entire Bible in John chapter 3, verse 16. So we're going to look into that chapter. We're going to bring out that verse, but we're not going to focus on that one today. It is a very uh, important verse, no doubt, but we're going to drop down to verse 22 in John chapter 3. We're going to start reading there, and just to lay a little foundation, we'll jump into the scripture and get right to the to the message. Here in this passage we're going to read starting in verse 22, we find John the Baptist. John the Apostle wrote the book of John and he mentions a man named John the Baptist. If you know anything about John the Baptist, he was born of Zacharias and Elizabeth. He was the first cousin of Jesus. Very close, no doubt. And in this passage we find John the Baptist and Jesus out doing ministry. They're out working, they're out baptizing. Even before Jesus died, we find John the Baptist and Jesus proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah, that he will die, that he will pay for the sin of the world. And we find them out baptizing people that symbolically are believing uh, what's going to happen, what's going to take place just a few chapters later. So let's see what transpires as they're out baptizing. Let's just see what the Bible says happens. Verse 22 says this, After these things came Jesus and his disciples unto the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Enon near to Salim, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, referring to Jesus, behold, the same that baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. Verse 30, which is our text verse today, our theme verse, what we want to really focus on, says this. John says, after, after these baptisms I've been doing, and Jesus also and his disciples have been baptizing, there arose a question, and they said, John, what about all these people that are going, going over to Jesus to be baptized? It looks like all men are following him. John, what about him? Keep in mind, John was quite a man. He had quite a following. He had his own disciples, the Bible said. John makes this statement, verse 30. He, referring to Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all, and he that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testified. And no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. 
For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So here we see John and Jesus out baptizing. John, no doubt, had already proclaimed Jesus. If you know anything about John the Baptist, we don't have time to do a whole history, but John the Baptist's job, God called him, even as a babe, the Bible says he was full of the Holy Ghost. He was a spirit-filled man, and his job was to prepare the way for Jesus. We see them out baptizing, and there arose a question between some of John's disciples and some of Jesus' disciples about the issue of purifying. And very simply, the issue of purifying was symbolically being purified with water baptism, not for the remission of sin, but the same way we preach it today as a believer, in obedience. It was symbolic that you were identifying yourself with Christ. And Jesus hadn't died yet, so that's what they were doing. Keep in mind this, as some of John's disciples and some of his followers began to go to Jesus' group, keep in mind this, John the Baptist was quite a man. He was quite a man. In Luke chapter 1, you don't have to turn there. Let me, let me just read a little bit about this man called John the Baptist. In Luke chapter number 1, I believe it is in verse, if you do want to turn there, it's in verse 13. I'll read it real quickly this morning. Luke 1.13 says this about John the Baptist. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, John the Baptist's dad, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, referring to John the Baptist, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias. John the Baptist had spiritual power, amen. He said he'll go before them, the children of Israel, in the spirit of Elijah. Quite powerful, amen. What does he say about him? To turn their hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Luke 7, 28, Jesus himself said this, Among those that are born of woman, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. We're talking about quite a man here who no doubt had been successful in ministry, no doubt had, had brought throngs of people as they followed him, became, the Bible says, his disciples. And what did John say as he looked around at the crowds, as he looked around at those following him. He said this, he said, He must increase and I must decrease. See, John was the forerunner of Jesus. He had been called by God to set the way, to prepare the way for Jesus. He had been called by God to be the forerunner. He baptized Jesus in Matthew chapter 3 when the Bible says the Spirit of God came down like a dove and descended on Christ. He was Jesus' first cousin. And he had been set apart to prepare the way for God's Son. 
John the Baptist gained power. He gained followers. He gained disciples. Yet when the time was right, he knew he would need to step out of the way. John the Baptist knew he would need to step out of the way and allow Jesus to be the focal point. There's an application here, and we will touch on it at the end of the message, but one of the greatest challenges we face as Christians is to know when it's time to step out of the way. Amen? To step out of the way and allow Jesus to be the focal point. Boy, we get in the way, don't we? When it comes to spirituality, when it comes to growing spiritually, I get in the way. I need to step out of the way like John did. He tells those in verse 30 that even though they had seen him full of the Holy Ghost, even though his disciples and followers had seen him do miracles, had seen him preach with power, he says, hey, I need to tell y'all something. He must increase and I must decrease. Your foundational thoughts in your notes today are these. Number one, John the Baptist remembered even amidst his success that ultimately his call was to point people to Jesus. Even amidst his success that ultimately his call was to point people to Jesus. Your second point in there is this. This is a beautiful picture of yielding to God and submission to his will. John remembered church what he was sent to do, to prepare the way, to make Jesus known, to point people not to himself, but to Jesus. It was time for John's agenda to begin to diminish. It was time for John the Baptist's agenda to begin to be obscure. It was time for John to point people to the one God called him to prepare the way for. So my first thought is this this morning. Isn't our job, church, to point people to Jesus? Amen? It's our job to point people to Jesus. John the Baptist realized, hey, my call, God set me apart for this purpose of preparing the way so that Jesus could be lifted up, so that Christ could be honored and glorified. I don't need to get in the way. I've got a lot of close followers, but I must remember what God called me to do. Hey, I'm telling you, church, this morning, our job is to point people to Jesus. Just to point people to Christ. So a couple of questions this morning, and then we'll start getting into the meat of the message. Number one, is Jesus increasing in your life or decreasing? If you assess your life this morning and you had to make a statement, would you be able to say honestly this morning that Jesus is increasing in your life? Or is he decreasing? You see, it's one or the other. There's no neutral position with God, amen? God says you're either for me or you're against me. You can't straddle the fence on that one. He's either increasing in your life or he's decreasing. And one of the ways you can use a little barometer to that is are you pointing people to Jesus? This week, did you point anybody to Jesus? Did I point anybody to Jesus? Did my life reflect that there is hope, that there is hope in this world, that there is salvation? Did our voice tell someone about Jesus, but maybe just as important, if not more important, did our life tell someone about Jesus? 
Did our attitudes tell someone about Jesus? Did our spirit and our response point others to Christ? Or does our life just point others to us? Does our life just point others to what we think and what we know? Well, we'll be a lot better off when we learn to point people to Christ, won't we? God, I want to learn to point people to you. Lord, I want you to increase in my life. Lord, I want you to gain strength and gain momentum in my life. Here, John, in the middle of his own success, remembered the call to point others to Christ. And did my life and did your life point anyone to Christ this week? This is a beautiful picture of yielding to God and submission to His will. John here is saying this, church, John is saying it's not about me. It's about Jesus. Amen. John here is saying, hey... It's not about what I've done. John here is basically saying, Hey, folks, hey, disciples, hey, followers, Jesus is the only one who can save you. Jesus is the only one who can heal you spiritually. Jesus is the only one who can give you eternal hope. John says, I can't do it. And our job, church, is to go out into this city, is to go out into the people we work with and let them know there is hope, and that hope is in Christ. Is he increasing or decreasing? Because if we're not pointing others to Jesus, he's not increasing. He's not increasing. John yields himself to God. That word yield just simply means gives the right of way to. John just gives God the right of way. Hey man, if you come up to a yield sign at an intersection, what do you do? You give the other person the right of way, don't you? That's what God's saying here. I just want to have the right of way in your life. But too many times we do this, don't we? No, I'm going to take the right of way. No, God, you yield to me. Amen? Too many times we say, no, God, you yield to me. The flesh is strong, folks. The flesh is powerful. God, help us to learn to yield to that nudging of the Holy Spirit so that Jesus can increase in our life. Is Jesus increasing in your life today? Or is he decreasing? We're going to look at three ways today that Jesus is increased in this passage. On your notes, number one, how is Jesus increased? How can I increase Jesus in my life? Number one, through a clear presentation of the gospel. Jesus is increased, church, when a clear presentation of the gospel is given. Amen? Hey, the more gospel, the more Jesus. Amen? Hey, he is increased when a clear presentation of the gospel is given. No doubt the gospel had been delivered in verses 22 and 23. We find John the Baptist and Jesus baptizing. You say, well, Brother Butch, how do you know those people were saved? Because Jesus wouldn't baptize anybody that was lost. Amen? Let's get real on that one. Hey, a clear presentation had been given. Hey, these folks had heard the gospel that Jesus did come. He was born of a virgin. He died for sin. He resurrected and conquered death, hell, and the grave as we celebrated just a couple of weeks ago. And people repented and they believed. Jesus had just spoken to Nicodemus, a a ruler, officer of the Sanhedrin, and told him, what? You must be born again, Nicodemus. The gospel again had been delivered. The gospel again had been spoken. 
John and Jesus had spoken the gospel clearly, and he is increased when the gospel is given. I'm glad, hey, I'm glad to go to a church where the gospel is given. Amen? I'm glad we're part of a ministry where we teach and preach that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Hey, where we teach and preach that, that if you want hope in the next life, you must receive Christ in this life. John 3, 16, in this very chapter, before Jesus died, I love the fact that before he died, he told people, for God so loved the world, that the world, hey, what? Someone tell me. Elijah? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The gospel. Hey, a clear presentation was given. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. A clear presentation. Hey, I like the fact that he said, I am the way. Amen, church? Not a way. The way. There's only one way. Amen? No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Hey, he is increased when you and I learn to present a clear gospel. If you want Jesus to increase in your life, give the world a clear presentation. Hey, we muddy up the water sometimes, don't we? Let's just get real this morning. Sometimes our life does not demonstrate a clear gospel. You ever been there? Hey, sometimes we react the wrong way, and what happens? We don't present a clear presentation of the gospel with the way we respond. Maybe sometimes we're negative when we shouldn't be and a clear presentation of the gospel is not given. Maybe sometimes we're not full of joy like we should be and a clear presentation of the gospel is not given. The gospel is more than you and I telling others about Christ. It's the way we live. It's how we treat other people, amen? It's so, hey, it shows up in our kindness, in our smile. It shows up in how we love our brothers and sisters. Hey, it shows up in how we pray for people and tell them when we see them, I'm praying for you and I love you and I'm hoping God does something in your life. The gospel shows up when you and I really care and the Spirit of God comes through in the way we talk, in the way we walk. Hey, I'm telling you, a clear presentation of the gospel says that Jesus is increasing in our life. So is Jesus increasing in your life? Is there a clear presentation of the gospel given? There's only one way to God, and that is through His Son, Jesus Christ. Oh, that should be our message today to the world we live in. Your two notes today under the first point is this. A clear gospel presentation always includes... Now listen always includes conviction, repentance, and faith in Christ. And number two, the gospel is exclusive. Amen to that. In its power, in its method, and in its wonder. It's exclusive. Hey, there's nothing like the gospel. Amen, church? Nothing like it. Nothing like it. The gospel. It always includes conviction, repentance, and faith. First of all, on that note, let me make this statement. The gospel always includes conviction. It always includes it. Hey, I'm telling you today, without, hey, listen to me, without conviction, there is not conversion. 
If you're here today and you've wondered about your salvation, if you're here today and you wonder whether or not you've ever been saved, I got news for you today. If there's never been a time in your life when you recognize, hey, that I'm a sinner and I need Jesus, I'm a wretch, hey, I am lost and undone without Christ and the Holy Spirit has never dealt with you about your sin, my Bible says you're not saved. There's got to be conviction. We've got to come to a point in our life where we realize we need a Savior. Amen. Hey, a clear gospel presentation includes conviction. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, this, the Bible says this, For godly sorrow, hey, worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Godly sorrow. Godly sorrow. John 6, says this, Except the Spirit of God draw a man, he cannot be saved. It takes convicting power of the Holy Spirit to be saved. Amen. If you're here today, and listen, church, if you're here today, and you were like me after my mom and dad got saved, I kind of grew up in church. Like my wife, who was adopted by Christian parents, great people, grew up in a godly home, Grew up around it. it. Hey, being around it don't save you. Growing up in church don't save you. Hey, going to church don't save you. Church membership don't save you. It's not about denomination. It's not about, hey, good works. It's not about if we grew up around it. It don't work. Hey, the only thing that works when it comes to a clear gospel presentation It's for someone to be convicted of their sin, to be convicted of their lost and undone soul, and through a drawing of the Holy Spirit, receive Jesus as their personal Savior. There's got to be conviction. My wife grew up in church her whole life. Great, was adopted as a three-month-old baby by godly people. Brother Dave, you know her parents made a profession of faith when she was very young. And literally, she was 32 years old, had already played a church piano for 20-something years, started playing in the church as a church pianist when she was seven. So over for 25 years, she played every Sunday. Then she got saved. What happened? How could someone grow up in church lost? My wife realized, hey, I've never dealt with this thing on my own. Today I realize that I'm a sinner. Today I realize that the Holy Spirit has convicted me of sin. I need a Savior. She was around it for 25 years. Being around it don't save you. What about you? A clear presentation of the gospel today includes conviction. It's not reciting a prayer. It's responding to a call. It's not signing a card. It's receiving a Savior. Secondly, it not only includes conviction, it includes repentance. A clear gospel presentation includes repentance. Amen. That word repent just means to turn. There's got to be a turning. There's got to be a point in your life when you were convicted by God of your sin and you accepted Him as your Savior. And then what happened? You should have turned from your sin to God. You should have turned from yourself 
to the Savior. It includes a turning, a radical change from self to Christ, from sin to Savior. Hey, I'm not saying we quit sinning when we get saved, but listen, our attitude towards sin should change. Yes, our desire should change. We still deal with the flesh, amen? God don't save the flesh. God don't save the flesh. The flesh is still lost. God saves our soul and our spirit. Hey, but what happens? Our desires towards sin should change. Our, our attitude towards sin should change. It requires conviction. It requires repentance, a turning today. Hey, there's a problem today with people who say they got saved and they never change. Something's wrong somewhere. Hey, you can't tell me something big as God move inside you and things don't change. Amen? Something happens to someone when Jesus moves in. Hey, we're not perfect. We're not sinless because we're still in the flesh. But I'm here to tell you today, after 30 some odd years of being saved, that even today when I fall, I fall under heavy conviction because God chastens his kids. God gets after you. If you can live your life any way you want to and still sleep good at night, you need to get saved. Somebody should say amen right there. Because one of the problems today in our churches and in America today, hey, is there's not a clear presentation of the gospel. We get it at gospel light, but in the world I live in today, the waters are muddied. The world today looks at the average Christian and wonders why they live the same way they do. They wonder why there's no difference, no separation. They wonder what's wrong today. Hey, they don't want any part of a gospel or Christ that does not change lives. God help us today to be a church and a people that would allow Jesus to increase in our life to the point that we present a clear gospel presentation. A clear gospel presentation. It requires conviction. It requires repentance. And it requires faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift, amen? It's a gift. He is increased when the gospel is proclaimed. It's faith in the finished work of Jesus. I'm glad that when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says he lifted up his voice, and he said, it is finished. It's finished. You know what that tells me? Three days later, it was sealed, amen? He finished paying for our sin, and then he sealed it on Resurrection Day. And when he said it is finished, church, you know what he's saying? You don't need to add anything to it, amen? When something's finished, you don't add anything to it. And I'm afraid today in our society, in our multicultural hey land today, we're starting to add too much to this thing. Hey, it's all about Jesus, amen? I got news for you today. If you go to heaven, it's not going to be because you're good, it's not going to be because you're a member of this church. It's going to be because you know Jesus and He knows you. And that's the only way you're going to go. It's faith in His finished work. And when we present a clear gospel, when we present that, what happens? Jesus increases. He increases. It's exclusive in its power. Your second point there. Hey, Romans 1.16, the Apostle Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth the Jew first and to the Greek. It's a powerful gospel that saved. The gospel is exclusive 
and its power. Listen, there's never been anybody like Jesus. Amen? Never been anybody like Christ. No one was ever born like Christ of a virgin. That's only happened one time. He's exclusive. Hey, man, right there. Hey, there's never been everyone that lived a sinless life like Christ. There's never been everyone, hey, anyone that, that died like Jesus died. And there's never been anyone that got up like he got up. He's exclusive. Nobody like him. And it's power. In Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus gave the great commission, he said this, all power is given unto me. Hey, if all, if all power is given unto Jesus, there's not any left for works, amen? If all power for salvation is given unto Jesus, there's not any left for church membership. If all power is given unto Jesus, then there's not any left for Islam, amen? All power. Somebody's got to say it. Islam is the fastest growing Religion in our land today, that's a reproach. And it's a false gospel. And while we need to love our Muslim brothers and sisters in Christ, and we need to give them the gospel, we need to let them know that Allah's not going to get them to heaven. Amen? Somebody needs to preach a clear gospel. A clear gospel. It's about Jesus. Is Jesus increasing in your life or is he decreasing? Oh, God, help me to make sure Jesus is increasing by speaking a clear presentation of the gospel. Number two today, how has Jesus increased? Number two, he's increased through recognition of where all blessings come from. He is increased through a recognition of where all blessings come from. Verse 27, John says this, John answered and said this, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. man can receive nothing unless it be given him from heaven. All the good things of this life. Your two points under that are this. This is a picture of humility that is necessary for Jesus to increase. This produces joy and demonstrate spiritual growth. I'll go over those one more time. This is a picture of humility that is necessary for Jesus to increase. And number two, this produces joy and demonstrates spiritual go growth. John recognized where his blessings came from. Amen. We got to do that, don't we? Some of us need to go back to when we met Jesus. Have you ever thought about this? Where would I be today without Christ? Have you ever wondered, where would you be today if you weren't saved? Just wonder sometimes. Some of us may not even be alive, amen? Hey, some of us may, may not be in church for sure. We would probably be living for ourselves because that's what lost people do. The problem is when saved people do that. See, John recognized the reason why John, with this massive following, with his own disciples, with his own popularity, hey, with his throngs of people that followed him, the reason why he could step aside is because John recognized that everything he had come from God. He knew the source of his power, the source of his strength. He knew that those that gathered that day to hear him preach and baptize, hey, was not because of him. 
He knew that spiritual power that is necessary to reach the hearts of men comes from God. He knew where his blessings came from. John recognized anything that was good in his life or going on in his life came from God. We need to just take a step back and realize all the good things in our life today come from our Savior. Amen? Amen. I look at my life today, and I have to say this, church, something bigger than me brought me to where I am today. Amen? Hey, some John realized something bigger than him brought him to where he was. It wasn't all about him. And you and I need to realize today something bigger than you and I brought us to where we are in a relationship with Christ. Hey, with the opportunity to be spiritually filled, an opportunity to make a difference in our world, an opportunity to lead someone to eternal life. Wow. Something bigger than me. John recognized that. Man, he recognized that. James 1.17 says, Every good gift. And every perfect gift is from above and cometh from the Father of lights with whom there is no variables, neither shadow of turning. Hey, I recognize God's blessing in my life today. I don't mind publicly telling you God's been good to me. I want to recognize it because when we recognize God's blessing, you know what happens? He increases. Amen? Hey, when we recognize God's been good to us, He starts increasing in our life. And we don't tell other people it's about what we've done. We tell people it's about what Jesus has done. We tell people that the blessings we have are from God. And God begins to rise in our life and His power begins to rise. And people start seeing Jesus in you. And that's when it gets exciting. Is He increasing or is He decreasing? Oh, something greater than me has brought me to where I am today. I look at my life and I think about my wife, first of all, and how God put us together. One of the biggest blessings in my life is my family. And I have to admit, God gave me my family. This, this is a gift from God, amen? I think about my mom and dad and how they were saved at a young age. And before they were saved, there was no Christianity in my family either side. My family, before my mom and daddy got saved, was made up of alcoholics. I mean, it was a sad picture. But God saved my mom and dad, and things changed. And one by one, my brothers and sisters and I began a relationship with Christ. And I just want the whole church to know I recognize that blessing. I want to make sure that I'm pointing others to Jesus and letting them know if they're in the same situation I was when I was young, hey, there's hope in Christ. Hey, no matter where you're at today, there's always hope in Christ. And if we'll recognize His blessings on our life, He'll increase in our life. He'll increase. I recognize His blessings in our church. I'm thankful for Gospel Light Baptist Church. Amen. I'm thankful for a church where we hear the gospel. Amen. A church where we still preach about the blood of Jesus saving souls. A church where we still hear preaching from the Word of God and not man's opinion. A church where we still hear a clear presentation that if you die without Christ, you will go to hell. But if you'll trust Him and ask Him to save you, you will go to heaven. 
Hey, it's not watered down. Amen. The last thing we need is a watered down gospel. Because in a watered down gospel, Jesus can increase. I'm thankful for a family, a wife, my children, our church. I'm thankful for my small group today, Brother Ray's leading, that I would be normally leading right now, where we pray and we connect and we love each other and we've gotten close and we pray for each other and we pray for each other's kids. I love the fact that i got about 15 people praying for all my children because, as you all know, I have an older son that's struggling with addiction. And i got 15 people bearing down. Probably a lot more than that, but I know I hear them. I hear him in there ask God to intervene for my son, to heal him. Because the fact is, Jesus is the only hope my son has. But you know what? He's the only hope I have. He's the only hope I've got. And you know what my son needs? My son don't need me to try to fix him. He needs to see Jesus increasing in my life. That's what he needs to see. Who is it today that you know that's broken? And sometimes, especially men, we try to fix stuff. When what they really need to see is just Jesus increasing in our life. They need to see us walking with God. I've learned, I've tried to fix my son too many times. I've learned what he needs more than anything is not for me to tell him to love God. He needs to see how much I love God. I recognize his blessings today. I've got a lot of good things in my life, and they all come from above. They all come from Christ. And when you and I learn to recognize God's goodness and God's blessing, I believe he increases in our life. And the world takes note. I think people see that. God has orchestrated his goodness and blessings in my life. It's all him. John said, a man can receive nothing unless it comes to him from heaven. Man, Jesus was lifted. When John, listen to me, think about it. When John the Baptist, who had loyal followers, I mean disciples, he had his own group of disciples, that means these guys would die for John. When he said, all things come from the Father, it had power. It meant something. And Jesus was lifted up. Jesus was increased. A picture of humility that is necessary for Jesus to increase. And this produces, the Bible says in verse 29, John says it brought him great joy. When Jesus is increased in our life, when we recognize his blessings, it gives us great joy. John said it gave me great joy to step aside, to become obscure and give Jesus preeminence and point people to him. Man, Jesus was lifted up. Hey, if we're honest in here today, we have to say a lot of times it's all about us. Amen? Let's just be honest. It's all about what I think. It's all about what do you see in me. Hey, God help us to let Jesus increase, to let him increase in our life. The last point today... Number three, another way that Jesus increases is through a decrease of the carnal. A decrease of the carnal. 
Your first point is this. Verse 33 said this. He that hath received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. So your first point, this proves to the world that God is true. Amen? When we decrease the carnal, when you and I, after we're saved, listen, after we're born again and the world notices sanctification in our life or the layers of carnality are beginning to be peeled away, hey, when we start giving up those habits of the flesh, when we start living a righteous life, not a sinless life, but a life like Jesus, when we start allowing the Holy Spirit to control our decisions, our thoughts, where we go, what we say, what we watch on television, when God begins to take control of our life, it proves to the world that God is true. But when we don't, as a Christian, we begin to live like we want to live and fall and not repent and not stay clean. It basically tells the world that God is a lie. If we say we're a Christian and Jesus is not increasing, basically what we're saying is God is a lie. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't live any different than you. I don't talk any different than you. I don't react any different than you. Separation is still in the Bible, church. Amen? It's important. It's important. It tells the world God is true, that He's real. The reason I got saved, hey, was because a man came to my door and he just was different. I'd never had a total stranger tell me about Jesus and tell me how much God loved me. I'd never had somebody reach out to me and give me the gospel. And I saw him tell my mama and my daddy and I saw him tell my brother and I thought there's something different about this cat. I saw Jesus in his life. It tells the world God is true. Your second point, this releases what? An unlimited measure of the Holy Spirit. Verse 34, what happens? It says, For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. Jesus had an unlimited power supply. Amen? Unlimited. Hey, Elijah was full of the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist was full of the Holy Ghost. Elisha got a double portion of Elijah's spirit, but Jesus was spirit without measure. Unlimited. Unlimited. Listen, that power can be released in our life if Jesus is increasing. If we allow Jesus to increase. So the question today is this. Is Jesus increasing or decreasing in your life? See, John the Baptist didn't say he must increase, and that was it. He said what? He said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Jesus will not increase until we decrease. That's basically what he's saying. John the Baptist, not long after this, would go into obscurity. You don't hear anything else about him in the Bible. Within a year, what happens? Herod's daughter asked for his head on a charger. And they cut his head off. We talk about going from popular, powerful preacher to obscurity. Within a year, John's out of the picture. So what did he do? He pointed people to Jesus. 
He pointed people to Christ. He, he stepped out of the way. Is Jesus increasing in your life? Jesus can only increase if we are decreasing. If the layers of carnality are being peeled away. Jesus can only increase as we are sanctified to the lost today. If you're here today and you're not saved, I say surrender to the Savior and let Him increase in your life. To the saved, to those of you who know you're saved, surrender to the Holy Spirit and not the flesh. Because in our world today, I hate to say this, but Jesus is not increasing. Why is it that other denominations and other religions like Islam are taking over? Because Jesus is not increasing. In the average Christian life today, He's decreasing. When I look at our society, if you're honest with me this morning, church, when you look at our world today, can you say Jesus is increasing? I can't. So what's the problem? If Jesus is not increasing... It's not the world's fault, amen? They don't know Him. If He's not increasing, it's because He's not increasing in our life. It's because I'm not letting Him be manifested in my life. I'm asking you today to think about your life, no one else, your life, and ask yourself, is Jesus increasing in my life? Because if He's not then he's decreasing and you're increasing. And I'll be the first to raise my hand. There's been way too many years of my life where I was increasing and God was decreasing. But I'm ready for a change. I'm ready to give full control to God. God, this week, help me to be conscious and each day say, Lord, increase in my life today. I want more of God. I want to feel more spiritual. Amen? I want to know what it is to walk into a place and someone say, hey, it just seems like your spirit is different than anybody I've ever met. I want someone to see Jesus, not Brother Butch. This past week, did Jesus increase in your life or did he decrease? Ask yourself that today. If your life is dominated by the carnal, there's no way Jesus is increasing. Oh, we're still in the flesh. But the Bible says if we'll relinquish ourselves to God, the Bible says this, He'll give us joy. And you know what joy is? It's a fruit of the Spirit. And basically what that means is it's the product of a life devoted to God. It's just giving God control. There's too many saved people today in our world and in our churches that still do their own thing. Amen? They still do what they want to do. Some of y'all need to come today and say, Lord, I want you to increase in my life. I'm giving you full control. Lord, I want you to increase through a clear presentation of the gospel. I want others to see the gospel in my life. And it's clear. It's not muddied. I'm not in and out. I'm not hot and cold. But a consistent gospel presentation is given in my life. Secondly, God, I want to see you increase in my life by recognizing your blessings in my life. I want to say it. I want people to know that, 
that I'm, I'm, I'm blessed today because I know Jesus. And then lastly, God, help me, to, help me to get rid of the carnal. Oh, Lord, we're still in the flesh. We're going to sin and we're going to make mistakes. But help me to learn to confess my sin every day. Help me to learn, God, to keep my relationship close so that you can continue to grow in my life. And, in, and not just grow, but increase. Have more of a magnitude. God expects us to grow, amen? So the question today is, is he increasing or is he decreasing? I hope if God's spoken to you about this at all, you'll come in just a moment. Let's pray.